Hey guys, this is Major and Darshan. We are here from the Kulkornia Law Firm and podcasting to you to tell you about the things you want to know about. This is Darshan. Today's topic, buying your first pharmacy. Mistakes you made, lessons you learned, and choices you wished you could have known about. You're listening to the Gavel and Pestle Podcast with Darshan Kulkarni. The Gavel and Pestle Podcast, where the law of the land intersects with the business of pharmacy. Hey, this is Darshan. Just before uh, you listen to the podcast, make sure you remember, this is not legal advice. This is also not medical advice, and um, it's not construction advice, so don't take construction advice from me. Also, this does not create an attorney-client relationship, so don't be saying that I just gave you legal advice again. Talk to a lawyer who knows you that can give you advice that's right for you. Thanks again. Keep listening. We'll talk soon. So, Major, today we're going to talk about the three tips for buying the pharmacy, like you said. Are you ready for this? This is going to be new. This is going to be huge. Or as our president says it, huge. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> um, so the big thing, Major, the biggest mistakes I see are that people don't know what they're trying to buy. It's the lack of planning. So if you are trying to buy your pharmacy, the first thing you want to know about is, are you trying to be a mom and pop store? Are you trying to go home and go to your wife, go to your husband and sort of this is your day job that you do, or are you a huge businessman trying to build your huge, or businesswoman, by the way, trying to build your huge new pharmacy? In which case, you really need to start thinking about, do you want a 503A or a 503B facility? We're gonna come back to that. The second thing you wanna know about, if you're gonna buy your first pharmacy, what licenses are you gonna have to worry about? What licenses do you know about? And the last one, what are the major agreements you need to be considering when you're signing your first pharmacy, when you're buying your first pharmacy? Should we get into it, Major? Let's do it. Okay. So the first one is 503A versus 503B. Now, that just sounds like things a lawyer says, and that should probably be a separate podcast by itself. So when you're talking about 503A facilities or 503B facility, the key thing to think about is... Are you just trying to go be a neighborhood pharmacy, having patients come in, giving them stuff, and that's just how your normal pharmacy deals? This is what you think about when you think about your Rite Aids of the world, when you think about your Dwayne Reeds of the world, when you think about your CVSs of the world. That's what they're doing, and that works out great, and there's obviously a market for it. Um, but if you're trying to be that next big pharmacy, that next big compounding pharmacy, and that's what you enjoy. You like making things. You like sort of getting your hands dirty. You like personalizing things for patients. And you're trying to grow. You're trying to grow massively. In those cases, um, this 503B thing is what you probably want to start considering. There are other ways to grow, and we are, we will talk about them, things like specialty pharmacy and stuff. But for now, we're going to talk about 503A versus 503B. So when you're talking about 503B facilities, the other thing you want to start thinking about is – are you trying to, for example, supply hospitals? So hospitals right now, they're all having major shortages again. Um, I, I still have clients. I still have my experiences in the hospital. Um, and they're all talking about shortages, whether it's your potassium chloride riders, whether it's um, some of the drips that you use in patients. Someone's going to make them if they aren't available. So the big thing to look at if you're trying to grow this facility, if you're trying to supply hospitals, is the pharmacy that you're buying, does it have the space to do this for you? Do they already make it? Are they going to do it? Do they have adequate space? 
Um, when I do audits, when I go with my friends to do audits, when I work with hospitals to do audits, the big things they talk about is these facilities are often just mom and pop stores that have a little piece in the back. And they're like, I'm not going to buy from these people because I don't trust them to have the right state um, and facilities in mind. Um, the next piece, are you going to supply just to your state? Or are you going to supply out of state? Uh, if you're going across state lines, the FDA has a say in it. And in those cases, they may say that um, compounding is, um, is something they regulate. Um, are your patients going to be inside the state or outside the state? Um, like we discussed before, how much are you going to make? Is it going to be large volume? Or are you going to be just doing a one-off when a patient comes in? Um, and again, the big one, and this is where people have gotten in trouble. People are literally on trial for murder right now. Wow. On Yeah, isn't that crazy? There's actually, this is how this whole thing started. Um, about whether people are, uh, whether you're going to make sterile products for patients or non-sterile products, whether you're going to make these IV lines or not. So the big thing, this is how it all, this whole 503B thing started, was um, this pharmacist out in Massachusetts who landed up compounding um, in, un- in non-sterile environments. And uh, I think over 60 people died, over 700 people were injured all across the country. And that's because there were just simply not enough rules in place. The FDA has tried to fix that. Uh, the state boards of pharmacy are working with the FDA to fix that. Um, and if you don't do it right, if you don't buy the right pharmacy, it's not just um, fines and penalties, but obviously you're looking at murder as a potential uh, problem. So keep that in mind. Make sure you're, you have all your I's dotted and your T's crossed. So, okay. so Major, let me ask you this. If you are going into a pharmacy and you're trying to buy from would you want to work, walk into a small mom and pop store or are you more looking at your fancier pharmacies? What is your take on this? Well, let me ask you this. So what's the okay. difference between a 503A and a 503B? So like I was sort of hinting at, the 503A tends to be a smaller facility. They tend to be okay. your, yeah, they, they, they tend to be your smaller companies that are trying to meet your patient needs. It's the neighborhood pharmacy, if you will. You were asking if I was preferring a small or a large compounding yeah. facility. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I prefer a smaller facility. Just why is that? Uh, preference. You know, it's it's <laughs> the you know the, 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 going to a place where everybody knows your name, right? Like, uh, yeah. You don't want to go to some. I yeah, exactly. Like, cheers. Like, if my mom okay. has medication, I don't want to go somewhere where they just she's a number and they don't really care or, or in my head she's a number whatever you know but i, I want to make sure she's okay and she's taken care of and her, her prescriptions are, are handled appropriately and, and that's great and that's absolutely right. now that's not to say that you couldn't have a massive 503a facility and that's not to say you couldn't have a mat a pretty tiny 503b facility right but that's to say what is the tone and, and you're exactly right tone right. i think major Major, that's such an important thing to consider. What is the what is your role when you're buying? Are you buying a are you trying to build a conglomerate? Are you trying to be right. the next Rite Aid? Or are you trying to be that neighborhood pharmacy where you don't have a boss and you are the boss and you're just happy to go in, talk to patients? It's your mom's prescription. You're helping them fill it, making sure people are taken care of. But you can still so, be that large uh, facility and still have the same tone, right? It gets more difficult is the problem. You're right. Okay. You could. But the bigger you get, uh, the more difficult it becomes. Personally, that's uh, right. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a really important perspective. And thank you for adding that, Major, because most, most people sort of forget that. They're, they're always for that, oh, I want to have that larger facility. 
And that's great. But what, what impact are you having on your patients? Because that's what you went to pharmacy school for. You went right. to help people. Um, so that's number one. The next okay. one that we're going to talk about is the licenses. So when you're buying a facility from someone else, you need to start thinking about what are they giving to you? Are you buying the facility outright? So are you taking the assets and the liabilities? Or are you sort of just taking over the name? Are you buying the entire company? And the reason that matters is if you're just buying the assets, not the liabilities, that's great. That protects you. But maybe some of the agreements you have with some of your suppliers may not carry over. Maybe the uh, State Board of Pharmacy may not let you carry over your license. And it changes from state board to state board and all those good things. Okay. Um, with, uh, you may be uh, dispensing, you probably are dispensing narcotics. The DEA may not be happy if you're just buying the, buying the assets. Um, not because they aren't happy with you, but they may expect you to re-register, which takes time. Is there um, anything that you can assume that's transferred automatically like by default? Like if you purchase this or if you have a license for this, this is That's expected? a great question. Um, it's, it's often not transferred by default because there is no default. You've got to often create those defaults because un until you decide what structure you have. So if, if you say, I am buying your facility outright, then a lot of those things just carry over unless there's a clause in there that says they won't. Um, things like, um, and, that, and that's a great question, by the way, Major. Good job. Um, but but it, essentially what it is, is if you're buying the facility over, you're just changing names. Um, then okay. most, most agreements will say, well, I'm not really changing anything. I'm just a change in ownership. Everything else carries over. Um, some people may object and you may have to address those, but <clears throat> overall it, it's smoother. On the other hand, if you say that, no, 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 I just don't want any liability. I don't know what this last guy did or this last woman did. I just want to start with a clean slate. I just want the, the assets, the customer lists, um, the, the machines that they have. That A lot of people prefer that. And oh. that's the difference. So what you're saying is, it, even even if you have a, a transfer agreement, you have to make sure to specify something like the NABP number, you know, the National Association of Boards of Pharmacy. Yeah. That needs to be in that agreement or else that's not going to happen. Well, you need to not only have that number, you need to make sure that it transfers over to you. So your the previous owner may have that already in place. Right. The, um, the NPI number, they probably have that in place. But will that matter? when you buy the facility. They may say that you need a whole new number. They may say that you need to get more information, and that's the key piece. Okay. Um, State Board of Pharmacy may say, you're now a new facility. Just because you have old assets doesn't mean you, are, you aren't a new facility. Uh, the DEA may say the same thing, the FDA may say the same thing. So think about all of those pieces when so, you're buying your facility. So who, yeah. who can a buyer talk to, to 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 lay this all out? Great question, talk to me. <laughs> um, reach out to major. Uh, there are some consultants out there. Uh, I'm sure they're great. I haven't worked with uh, one that I've been completely satisfied with, but I think for the most part, they all have the right pieces in mind. Um, and I, I think you can get some great advice listening to a lot of people. Um, and, and again, what if you want credentials, make could, would they expect someone of, of your, uh, your self to, to have like somebody to talk to you? Like who, who can they trust? That's that's a great question, isn't it? So you want someone who ideally has done this before. 
You want to talk to someone who understands what the moving parts are. You want someone who's actually been in a facility and not just sort of bought and sold them, but actually understand what happens in the day to day. Someone who's worked in a retail pharmacy, someone who's worked in a hospital pharmacy, someone who's worked in a long term care facility. Each of those would be great. Um, so think about those having a regulatory background, having a legal background. Is great because it tells you, it informs you. But I, I find that. My, my having my pharmacy background is really kind of useful because it, it shows people that I'm not just just telling you, here's what you should do. It's stuff I have actually done in many cases, right. which is and, quite useful. And you've worked as a pharmacist, right? Yeah, I continue to work as a pharmacist, actually. And that's really kind of helpful. So today we're here with Darshan Kulkarni talking about the three tips for buying a pharmacy. The first tip is uh, decide if you want to be a large or small facility, choose between a 503A or 503B. The second is licenses. Make sure that certain pieces carry over and certain pieces uh, is out- are outlined in, in the agreement. And uh, Darshan, what's, what's the third? The third one is, again, which agreements do you want to make sure you have in place? And you'd be surprised by how obvious this sounds, and yet it slips through the cracks so often. So if you are a pharmacy, you're going to be dealing with a bunch of different insurance providers, whether it's your Merck Medcos, your Caremarks, whatever. Make sure that those agreements carry over. In many cases, you're paying a lot of money just for those agreements. So make sure they carry over. Is your landlord going to allow you to continue to be in that facility? So make sure you have lease agreement in place, uh, whether, it's the, whether it's the facility, whether it's the building, whether it's the land. Make sure they're all in there. Um, are you going to have in-store vending machines of some kind? So whether it's the copiers, photo processing, whatever, make sure you have those agreements in place. Uh, find out if those collection uh, service contracts like your water, utility, phone, they're carrying over. Um, if you have any dropship vendors, whether it's a UPS of the world, those all carry over. Any pharmacy automation equipment, whether you have your robots of the world, um, you've got to make sure that they carry over because you may have to be still paying off for them. Or you maybe you might tell the previous owner they have to pay for it, depending on how much money is left on there. So make sure you have a lot of these agreements taken care of because without that, it's going to slow your facility down. You're going to have to start renegotiating everything, clean that stuff up. So those are your top three. Making sure you choose what kind of pharmacy you want, making sure you have all the licenses in place, and then making sure you have all the agreements that carry over. That's the, I mean, that is a lot. That, that, that's, it, 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 it's, it's a lot, but it doesn't sound like very much because we're, we're really condensing it into three different pieces. Yeah. Uh, that's it's quite a bit. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? I want to add that um, if you have any questions, reach out to us at KulkarniLawFirm.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Kulkarni Law Firm, or you can just find me on Twitter at FDA Lawyers. That's Kulkarni Law Firm, K-U-L-K-A-R-N-I, lawfirm.com. Correct. Thanks again, Major. Thank you, Doshan. Have a good day, guys.